Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is Ciprian Perushu, Vice President of Operations and Strategy at Marsh McLennan. Previous to Marsh McLennan, Ciprian spent much of his career in IT leadership for various fintech firms. In conversation with Emerge CEO and Head of Research Daniel Fagella, Ciprian explains the fundamentals of a VUCA, that's short for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous business landscape to a financial services executive audience. Throughout the episode, Ciprian offers insights into delivering the necessary business agility and addressing the acute challenges of scaling systems based on advanced technologies. Today's episode is sponsored by Unifor, and without further ado, here's their conversation. Glad to be able to unpack some topics with you here today, and we're going to start at a little bit of a high level in your world. Um, you've worked in FinServe for quite some time and in digital transformation broadly. When you think about sort of digital transformation efforts, and we're going to focus primarily on the kind of customer and user experience side of, of those digital efforts, but we can maybe even talk a little bit about digital efforts generally. What do you see as kind of the major trends and challenges that are on the minds of finance leaders, people that are having to head up these initiatives right now? Well, Dan, thanks for uh, having me. Um, I think um, trends and challenges. I think the, the entire uh, conversation around the trends and challenges is around the, the, the VUCA world. We live in a VUCA world, which is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. You know? So basically, anything that we learn in uh, early um, uh, early stages of the production and uh, um, everything going on in industrialization in which everything can be optimized by predicting goes out of the window with uh, today's world in which change it's it's really really fast paced the rate of change is high the unpredictable outcomes are are really unpredictable the complexity of things the interconnection in uh, uh, in between uh, elements that can impact uh, each other and obviously the ambiguity how clear how clear you can see ahead on what are the next steps is what determines probably anything that uh, makes it into a challenge and or a trend. Yeah, and well, I guess things are shifting more year to year than they were in 1987 or 1997 or maybe even 2017. I mean, just think about the advancements in AI in the last nine months. Already, there's a lot of rumbling about all kinds of business processes. So, uh, more, more VUCA than ever is, I think, something probably most of our audience can, can tune into. And it seems to me like a lot of what this implies is that we can't just build a three-year plan or a five-year plan once and just kind of plug away at it quarter by quarter. We have to be significantly more nimble in how we're moving. And I know sort of business agility at a high level is a big focus of some of what you want leaders to know more about uh, some of your own kind of work and influence in FinServe. Maybe you could talk a little bit about sort of how you define that term. And also a little bit maybe around what it looks like in action, because everybody's experiencing the VUCA stuff. Not a lot of people have ways of navigating it in, in, in a productive fashion. So I'd love your thoughts there. That's true. So the companies still need to plan because they don't, I mean, the, the, the smaller we are, the, we are, the easier it is to, to make plans and do. Imagine when you go in a, in a trip, you, you go just you and your spouse, it's easy to, to plan, you just have to keep in mind only environment and your partner. When you go with your family, you have the kids additional. When you go with the, another group of families, when you go in a bigger group, imagine 100,000 um, employees 
companies spread around the world, it's very complex. So they have to plan. The only problem is it's much easier to plan for outputs. Now I need to create, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a, a Tesla uh, producer. I need to produce 30,000 uh, cars or I need to produce uh, um, uh, a million uh, iPhones by that date. So we're much, it's much easier to approach the planning from the output perspective versus the outcome. So this is where the business agility comes into place in which you we succeed on shifting our attention from the output into the outcome. I'm thinking also from the perspective of how we deliver uh, products, software platforms or anything else in, in that regard. It's very easy to ask, for example, the team to give you, give me a, a roadmap of features and I'm going to keep you honest against that uh, promise of features that you gave me. The bad thing about it is you have clarity of where you want to go, but the problem that clarity doesn't stay aligned with the reality. So when the features are fit, are fixed into certain quarters and the market tells you something, the customer tells you something else, the colleagues tell you something else, then there is this discrepancy that it's, especially with big organization, hard to align. Instead, if we focus a little bit on the outcome and we aim for goals that are reachable, but they, you can take it to, 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 to that particular goal via different uh, different type of paths then much more easy uh, it's much easier to keep into account all the inputs that you go on the way to building that uh, uh, outcome got it let, let me see if i can nutshell this chipper for the audience and maybe you can add some color to it but i want to make sure i'm not missing it it sounds like instead of here's exactly how the world is going to look you know precisely down to the brass tacks Let's talk about what will be possible by then or, or what generally we want to get done, not, not its specific manifestation. So we need customers to be able to answer these kinds of questions like immediately. And maybe it's going to happen through this interface or this interface or this tiny set of features or this drop down. Maybe we need to be open to it's going to happen whatever is most effective in developing. But let's just talk about we want customers to be able to do this. We want our own people working within the organization to be able to quickly find this. And maybe we have a, a way that we're going to first go about attacking that. But if that way doesn't end up being best, we still know what the outcome is. In, in the military, we call this kind of commander's intent. So oh, we couldn't climb the, the hill on the right-hand side. Well, if the goal is to take the hill, then find some other way to take the hill. Am I following in the right way in terms of the way to think about this from a digital agility standpoint? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very easy to um to put features on a paper no or to say well i want to win that battle no it's it's very easy to to say and then to win that battle i have to move those those uh, armored uh, vehicles i have to move, move those troops if you brought this uh, uh, into conversation the problem is we're not able to change that easily no so what is important is to start with that hypothesis no and validate and this is where the agility, and again, when I say agile, I'm not talking about necessarily the Scrum or the yes, Kanban yes, or software different. development um, type of frameworks, but they're inspired from the same source, meaning you have to be listening and doing, which is hard when you have a big organization, when you have a scaled product, when you have a platform where you don't have only a one small product, but it pays off hundred times, a thousand times when you are able to validate a hypothesis and go it step by step. Yeah. 
and I think it's important for the audience to understand the difference. You know, Scrum is its own thing. You're talking about business agility as kind of a broader, a broader concept, a, a way of kind of acting. And to your point, I mean, most of the people listening into the show are going to be able to agree that a hundred thousand person company is going to be a little bit harder to do that than when you're, you know, 500 people and you guys are obviously working within a large, a large organization now. And it seems to me like in large part, the agility you just articulated is more and more necessary every day, but absolutely necessary for some of these frontier technologies that are now coming to pass that are changing so quickly. They're really not going to be the same in six months. They're not going to be the same in two years. And AI and data sort of broadly are, are making their way into so many facets of the financial services world at a high level. I'd love to get your thoughts, you know, kind of in our, our first conversation together. I know you've talked a little bit about kind of user and client experience side of things. It's a bit of the focus of, of the series here. I'd love to get your ideas on where data is starting to wake up in that world and what you think leaders should know about that, because a lot of people are sort of stuck in how transformation should happen. But what are some of your initial thoughts there? Um, to link it also to the, the, the previous conversation in yes. terms of uh, agility, you cannot have agility if you do not have transparency, and you cannot have transparency if you don't have interconnectivity, meaning tech people, let's say tech in anything, in production of uh, manufacturing or software or financial services insurance in any, any place, they have their own language. No? When they have the value chain on their um, on their day-to-day, -day, the software developers have their language. They use their uh, uh, artifacts, they create their own activities, and the business has their own language. No? They talk about um, revenue, the top line, the bottom line, the compliance, the risks, um, what is important. And this is where the automation and the uh, integration of data, no? because everyone has data, Every, everyone has data points. We definitely live in a world in which data doesn't uh, it's 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 in abundance now. The problem is making sense of it. And you were saying, you know, in the past nine months, twelve months, uh, um, AI and ChatGPT and everything else, it reached the consumer headlines. AI and machine learning has been in the business for a long, long time in various to various degrees of of uh, implementation and uh, and maturity. But definitely, data in an integrated way that makes sense allows for this agility now in the, the moment that the, the the status is of a workflow for the software development of one of the products reaches a connectivity with the business and everyone knows obviously when you have a smaller organization it's much easier when it's bigger you have to make more effort to automate and link when every single developer knows what product and what value that particular module they are um, they are bringing to life reaches to so that traceability then it's much easier to actually be nimble and listen and maybe write off certain things or plus on other things you're saying yeah transparency is necessary for agility in other words we need to have feedback cycles that are quick we can't push out a feature and say well next year we'll probably get a report on if anybody used this it's like that's probably not fast enough to actually develop a good customer experience or or client experience not fast yeah, not fast enough and also not enough at that stage. I mean, that that feedback loop that has to be short and early on has to be then as part of the design. So it's almost like feedback by design. It's engaging the users that will be using it in terms of, you know, colleagues, like for example, let's, let's take an example of an analytics platform that we um, uh, created for one of our line of products. And obviously there will be colleagues that will be servicing the customers. 
and there will be customers that will be using in a, in, in a first place. The way to get their feedback, it's not to wait six months or a year until something decent, you know, from different perspective and definitions of what a, a decent product, minimum viable product or whatever it is, um, is to get the feedback. It's getting the feedback already in the design, already in the development, already in the UAT. The best way to get a champion is to test it because if you test it instead of putting it in production and give it to them into a pilot and give uh, give me your feedback and we're going to incorporate this is where again automation it's very important to capture the feedback loops from the colleagues from the customers and from the third parties now for example uh, we're in the middle of a, a, um, a value train now in which you have partners you have insurers reinsurers customers um adjusters uh, um uh, solve the customers in this kind of affinity type of business. So you you have to have that link and feedback loop very short and very early on. Yeah, and this it sounds like this sort of involves a requirement to have that feedback loop baked in from the beginning. So we think about our outcome, we think about what we're moving towards, and we also need to think about very quick and, and from the very get-go, what's it going to look like to measure that? And how on a day-to-day -day, are we going to be able to transparently pulse how well this is going? So if we're thinking about the customer's experience or the user's experience, it's not just, okay, does the feature work? It's also, um, how are we going to know if it works better than what they were doing before, if it satisfies them? Is that about sort of asking better, smart questions up front to make sure you can have that transparency and data flow for what you're building? What does it require to do this well? It's it's both. I mean, it has to be subjective and objective. I mean, obviously, subjective means you ask the user, and you have to do it in a in the most most seamless way possible. Meaning, you cannot send the users a call trick survey via email and expect them to to fill in uh, thirty pages or or even ten pages of uh, of questionnaire at the end of the year. That's too late, too big, uh, too cumbersome. You're gonna have rates like very very low. So, what you need is pulse on the situation subjectively with NPS, with the net promoter score surveys on the spot. So you add a new feature or you add a new product, you put on the, obviously, if you're lucky enough to talk about the a software product on the, on the app. So you add the feature and you add a pop-up that says, what do you think about new feature? Or when you add the feature, you make a pop-up, hey, by the way, we added this feature. What do you think about it? How do you, and then you give the opportunity to have a feedback at the moment when they see it because you know the, the the warmer the hotter it is the the, the more uh, accurate it is yeah remembering it after the fact it's like you know how was your trip to this restaurant like i don't remember i was at the airport i'm tired you know it's like you'd have to catch me when i'm there and ask how's the burger right now exactly exactly and it's going to be tainted by other experiences now it's not going to be the feedback of that particular thing but this is the subjective portion of it the objective portion of it obviously here we're talking about data we need to collect all the user behavior data automatically now and there are plenty of platforms both it or a new uh, category of digital adoption platforms type of uh, uh, software that enable sandwiching the, the user sandwiching it from the from the back and in which with a snippet you basically capture all their journey so for example you enable you um created a new workflow let's say um you have a, um, a policy management uh, platform that you engage the users on creating the policy updating the policy and saving it now i don't know what you save that one and you 
take a look of what are the users doing and statistically you analyze where are they stopping why are they stopping there for how long do they do it is this too long should i automate the uh, the, the workflow or should i add on top so this is the sandwich portion should i add on top the support like with bubbles hey here you have to enter that it's better if you do it like that so you you get the customers on the product with support both automatically collecting the data and then acting upon it and on top with support both collecting feedback with an mpa survey uh, on the spot and bubbles to to allow the users to not open a ticket hey how do i open a how do i create a policy or how do i create an uh, in my salesforce the new opportunity or stuff like that do you see this this dynamic of you know the sandwiching is an interesting word like it's a good way to put it uh it makes it sort of visual for our listeners here do you see this as relevant across the board for kind of you know our own internal users experience external kind of client customer experience for uh, everything from like the self-service side of their user experience to if they're on the phone with somebody do you see that same concept as essentially being multimodal applicable uh, absolutely absolutely okay. Obviously, a little bit more difficult, but again, the AI and all the interpretation of various uh, uh, ways to input uh, information from voice to video to um, measuring the sentiment and everything else that we're, we're making big, big progress in it. I think it's going to be easier. More difficult is for the frontline colleagues that work in person with other uh, uh, customers. Obviously, there it's a little bit more difficult to enable a, a data collection of uh, user behavior that has to be um, uh, maybe um, enriched and augmented. No, and I'm thinking even like video augmentation, like uh, um, AR and VR, in which a customer enters a, a, um, a store and obviously with all the privacy uh, associated with it we are able to basically capture the same data that we do with the software no in which i see where it where the customer goes what steps where it stops why what exactly looks at and you can do it with the video as well if you preserve all the privacy that is necessary obviously that's another risk yeah yeah so there's there's obviously different compliance uh, governance kind of concerns for different types of data but the idea of sandwiching what you're saying is i think ubiquitous and applicable. And I think that's a good takeaway for the for the listeners in some ways. Hopefully, Chiprian, we get to have you back when everybody's living and shopping in VR and talk about what things look like then. I feel like I, I want to say that's five years from now, but I feel like it's probably not. So we'll, we'll have a good excuse to keep the ball rolling. But for, for the listeners tuned in, I hope this is helpful. And Chiprian, thank you so much for being able to share your expertise. This is great. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Dan, for having me. Before we let you go as the audience, there were some points of today's show I really thought stuck out that should deserve some emphasis, some underscore, at least before you leave. First, I think both guests emphasized the imperative for business agility in what they called the VUCA business environment. That's short, again, for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And agility is its own discipline. It is disseminated from software development, what they call the scrum system. And I would always just encourage business leaders to pursue some sort of workshop in these areas. I think they go hand in hand with artificial intelligence, especially because it's a little bit like physics and calculus, physics just being applied calculus and 
Scrum just being the system that the folks who really helped deploy AI through our global economy developed in order to make that achievement possible. Both guests also discussed the significance of defining actionable strategies to successfully navigate challenges in large organizations. And among these actionable strategies, I think there's a bit of a scale between the size of the organization and how the adoption team will have to listen to management versus subject matter experts. Uh, they also highlighted the importance of focusing on outcomes over specific features for success. I think this goes back to a principle we talk a lot about in terms of focusing on the nail rather than the hammer. In terms of software development, this is not a chicken or the egg situation. It is decided one came before the other and it's the nail always comes before the hammer. Uh, they also explored transparency in their conversation and feedback loops as critical elements in agile software development. And I think just what that means so often when it comes down to transparency is really uh, the top delivering information down that has been previously only privy to them. It really sounds that simple, but it's just so hard to do for obvious reasons. And on behalf of our CEO and head of research, Daniel Fagella, as well as the rest of the team here at Emerge Technology Research, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast.